Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Sandra Winka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. This is Yannick Noah. This is Brian Torrance. This is Tregan Torrance. This is Lendo Torrance from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. You're listening to... The Tennis Podcast. Well, what a gorgeous intro from Brian Torrance and his kids, a family affair. Uh, this lovely Thursday morning for our intro there. Thank you, Brian. Thank you to your kids uh, for their contributions to that intro. It's a lovely way to kick off the podcast, a lovelier way than the the last podcast and how we kicked that off with news of a fallout between uh, myself and David. Lots of concern, David, about yeah. our fallout. Oh, yeah. We've had many a message <laughs> sent in. <laughs> Uh, wondering what happened and whether we're all right and my my mum was asking um, and uh, yeah everybody seems but and, and no offense to Stephen Malloy by the way who introduced the show last time just beautifully it's really us who cocked it up um, but anyway Brian and kids have cheered me right up this morning and uh, yes folks Catherine and I are getting along again yes bottom line we're always okay um my 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 the the tone of my parents uh inquiries into our fallouts is oh you're giving david a hard time again kathy <laughs> that is they... always the tone it's always poor david they read the room well <laughs> don't they <laughs> it's, it's many years of experience david and i can't i you know they're sort of right because for for people asking um what we fell out about last time and what I mean I can't even remember the specific details but invariably it's me taking advantage of the fact that David is so patient and kind to me and we have such a foundation of trust and goodwill that I sort of know I can say anything and it'll all it'll all be okay like with family you know um there is do you know what I mean I know. Yes. <laughs> and uh, yes, David is so often a, um, not quite a punching bag, but you, you let me vent, don't you? You let me vent yeah. and uh, I'm very grateful for it. It's but right. yeah, you can, you can I, I probably subcon- subconsciously, I take advantage of the fact that it'll always all be okay. Yeah. And it is, look, we're fine. <laughs> <laughs> not for Matt, who uh, who has sort of a traumatic experience every time <laughs> sitting on the sidelines. Uh, but yes, this podcast will be recorded in good spirits, yes. Matt. I can promise you that. Not so much for Dennis Shapovalov. I think we've all got the same match on our screens mm. in front of us here. We're watching Dennis Shapovalov uh, up against Felix Auger-Eliassime. And uh, this, what, this is a third round match in Barcelona. Uh, and it's barely a contest. I mean, not a contest. It is not a contest. Do, does, uh, it, does it say something, folks, that I didn't really know this match was on? That this is a match that 18 months ago, I would have been hyping to the hills and telling everybody about and must watch. And, and I turned on Prime this morning and you see all the matches that, that you've got. And that was there. And I thought, oh, yeah, good. I'll watch that. And by then... It's already 5-1 to Ogilvy Asim, and it doesn't really feel like a contest. I know Dennis has complained about an injury and he's had a bit of treatment, but I don't know. There's, it feels like 
we've we've regressed a little bit with those two. I mean, possibly. I mean, for me, Audrey Seam is still a, a massive draw. I still look to see when his matches are on, especially now. Now he's working with Tony Nadal. He's he's just gone up my list of interesting players even more. So I I was aware of this match for him. I saw this as Shapovalov is the next opponent for Joali Asim in this tournament. Um, but I certainly think it does say something about where we're currently at with Shapovalov and kind of where he's at as well. Where his haircut's at is 1998. It's a very uh, Nick Carter, as long as you love me, energy. Yeah, I, Matt, I agree. Matt I, absolutely does not understand that reference. And I, that I, is well, very I, depressing. I, I couldn't agree more now that you've explained to me who Nick Carter is stroke was um, mm. back in the 90s. Um, yes, mm. no, I, I get it now. Yeah, I mean, look, for, for Denis Shapovalov, this, look, we don't know how big a factor the shoulder injury it is, but this should be the sort of result performance scoreline if it's going, if it continues going in this direction at 6-2-3-1, or Jair seems serving at the moment, that is a real wake-up call for him. You know, that I, I, don't, I don't want to get it handed to me by... You know, my friend and rival and bloke that's younger than me, you know, I I don't want to see this happening. It makes me think of, do you remember when Dimitrov got beaten by Zverev in Miami a few years ago? And that felt like the first kind of, hey, hang on a second, Dimitrov's not the young guy anymore. There's these younger guys coming along and beating him. Um, uh, This should really hurt for Shapovalov and... It feels it feels really sadistic to say. I hope it really hurts for him later, but I hope it does, and I hope it spurs him onto something. But I suppose my worry is that it doesn't quite sting like it perhaps like it perhaps could. But um, yeah, the I mean, shoulder look, it's was not... okay to smash that racket that he's just <laughs> that he's just sent flying. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this is a racket smash of a performance, isn't it? And look, it's not all completely rosy. And plain sailing in the development of Felix Auger and Yassim at the moment and over the course of the last few months. But he looks like a man, doesn't he? Compared, mm. It looks like man against boy. Interesting and watching him on they're clay, They're both actually. young guys. I, 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 I haven't seen him much on clay, I don't think, Auger Yassim. And, and I'm curious about, tell me about this previous match against Massetti. Because when he lost the first set of that, given that he'd lost straight sets in Monte Carlo, you know, you, you're thinking, well, what I like about Felix is he seems to have this um, kind of serenity generally about his body language. Everything's pretty much the same all the time. And I think he can weather disappointments on the understanding that we're building the blocks here. But that scoreline went dramatically in his direction at the end. So what what happened? Well, he was he was certainly helped by the fact that Musetti had a back injury and really couldn't play in that final set. He had oh, right. to he had to receive quite a lot of treatment and you know wasn't moving for the ball. But already Orjaliasim had had levelled that match and I thought made quite a big adjustment during the match. In that first set, it looked like Musetti was the player with all the confidence, sort of strutting around the court. He's got so much variety and he seems to know really how to deploy it, which is very impressive as, as he's still a teenager. And he was really moving Orja Aliasim around and he looked the more comfortable player. And actually, Orja Aliasim looked to me a little bit one-dimensional in that first set. He was, if, he, if he wasn't hitting a winner with his forehand, he was losing the point. That seemed to be his only real strategy. And he was, he's got such a fast slash at the ball on that shot. And if he gets it wrong, he can really get it wrong and it can, he can miss hit it. But then I, I thought the way he started to play with so much more margin on his shots, a bit like what we talked about with Sitsapas in Monte Carlo, sort of aggressive shots, but with that nice clay court arc on them. And he really developed that during the match. And I'm looking at him here against Shapovalov. I think that's what he's doing again. Feels like he's found a bit of a comfort zone suddenly on this surface. But I think I think clay is a good surface for him. It's where I think of him having his real breakthrough in in Rio a few years ago on the clay. And he's really he's really put the time in on clay, isn't hasn't yes. he? There he was skipped that Wimbledon summer, once, didn't he? Summer he skipped Wimbledon, all of the grass. Um, skip the high profile events to go and really grind away on the the lower level clay court tournaments and futures and and challenger events in mm. South America and all the rest of it really 
put the miles on the clock. Yes, and his attitude in that in that whole match was brilliant. I think serenity is a really good word to describe him. And there's a, there's a calmness, a patience. It's the first time he was ever playing someone younger than him on, on the ATP Tour, possibly ever, because he was probably always playing up the age categories. So he, I think he felt like suddenly he had a bit of a point to prove, and, and he did. Uh, yeah, it was interesting for Mazzetti, who'd beaten Feliciano Lopez in round one, another massive age gap. And uh, he, he, he joked afterwards that maybe it wasn't the best thing to do, considering he's hoping to get a wild card into Madrid. <laughs> <laughs> Well, wouldn't you love that if Lopez just thought, actually, no, yeah. you're not, you're not no. having one now. Forget it. <laughs> what about, uh, speaking of youngsters, Carlos Alcaraz, Matt? Because he, well, he lost in his opening match to Francis Giaffo, uh Straight sets, but that by no means tells the whole story. It was kind of a statement performance from both of them. Could could you say that about it? It was a really nice match. They were They were very evenly matched i think tiafo is a it's a decent prospect on clay as well i again he's someone who's put in the work on clay and he we talked about how he went to south america this year to to play some of those clay court events he lost to schwartzman in his next match but he was good against alcaraz and he was really pushed as well there was a lovely lovely moment at the end of the match where tiafo won in two sets but two tight sets and he he almost looked surprised that he'd won and he had a really nice sort of word with Alcaraz at the net and basically said, you're great. And then he applauded him off the court. He he recognised the performance that Alcaraz had put in, still a teenager, playing in Barcelona, a club where he's played a lot in the past and, and was getting a lot of appreciation from the crowd. And I loved that Tiafo recognised that moment and recognised that, yes, he'd won, but this was also a big moment for Alcaraz. And it looked to me like he said something to the umpire, Mohamed Leani. He's like, he's good, isn't he, Alcaraz? <laughs> That's what he did, well, yeah. Well, Mohamed Leani yeah. does love a, a bit of coaching, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a really lovely moment, and I really like what Tiafo did there because he just engaged with all the crowd as, and started pointing at Alcaraz mm. and applauding as if to say, come on, give this, this guy, you've got something here. This is a player right here, and he, and I think he was saying it to his own coach Wayne Ferrer in the crowd. I love that. I mean, I suppose it's easier to do it when you've just beaten the guy, albeit narrowly. But I think Tiafo will remember four years ago he was in the same position uh, of coming through, and well, I just thought it was a really cool moment. Yeah. How many years ago, Matt, was it that you became the early adopter? of Carlos Alcaraz that that you've been flying the flag about ever since on at this very tournament on the Pista Manolo Santana where we're watching Auger Aliasim hand it to Denis Shapovalov right at this moment. Yeah, it was it was four years ago. Four years ago. So what, he would have been thirteen? Yes. He was wow. thirteen. <laughs> he was so good. <laughs> and has he if you'd told yourself four years ago in Barcelona that Alcaraz would be where he is now what, what would you have said would you have said yeah that sounds about right would you have said oh I thought it had won the French Open by now <laughs> or would you have said oh that's ahead of the curve you're talking to Matt not me <laughs> <laughs> well I tell you I, rem- I remember so specifically having that conversation with myself in 2017 I was thinking is this just what junior tennis players are like, that they all look really impressive, or is he special? And the fact that he won that match, I watched him win the junior tournament in Barcelona. He won the final really easily. And I thought, okay, now this this guy is pretty special. It, it doesn't surprise me that he's already making making waves on the tour. I, I certainly wouldn't have thought he would have won the French Open by now. But uh, to me, he seems right on track. And I expected him to be having big results at a young age, just like he is. He's right on the prodigy curve. Mm. Will he win it in four years' time? Don't know, David. <laughs> <laughs> I believe he'll win the French Open one day. Is, 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 is that bold? Maybe that's not even bold. But to me, he's that good. I think he'll win it in four years. 
It's not a competition, guys. <laughs> what do you think, I mean, Catherine? it sort of is because we make it into a competition. <laughs> In fact, it definitely is. Um, we've all had... It's interesting, the Barcelona tournament, isn't it? We've all had... Uh, We've all had experience of it uh, in in the living flesh. Matt, you watched that junior tournament. I've been there for the the Legends, the Champions Tour event a couple of times back in the day. And David, you were there for the main event as an ATP communications manager. Well, no, actually, I, I wasn't. I was there for the early editions of the Champions Tour event there. Oh. Um, and it's a beautiful club. I, I think it's one of the one of the first things I ever heard Rafael Nadal say about tennis when when we interviewed him because he was going to play queens for the first time and the first thing he said was i I like i want to play queens because queens is a club like barcelona and then i think the next year i went to barcelona for the first time and i understood what he meant because it's just and even when you look at the court surrounds they're sitting on the the, uh, some of the courts they're sitting on proper wooden benches you know there's a really old-fashioned natural feel to the place they 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 build stadia they build as a proper arena but they they celebrate their club and the the clubhouse building is is staffed full of the people that work there year round you know and it, and it's it's just you can tell the players love that um the only thing is i mean in April, this is it does feel quite early in a way for this tournament because the, it rains quite a bit, and when it rains, it's it's miserable. You know, it's, there's there's not really anything to do when it rains at all. I should say I was there in 2017. That junior tournament was taking place at the same time as the main event in Barcelona, so you had it going on alongside, and that was actually the year. I think during the tournament, they renamed the main stadium, the Pista Rafa Nadal. After he'd won one of his matches, there was then a ceremony to give him the name on that court. And then I I went to the tournament over finals weekend and saw team play Murray in the semifinals. And Murray was world number one. And uh, it was one of those moments where I love being abroad and I feel very European in many ways. But when you're in a crowd like that, I suddenly felt really, really British. And I thought I have to give Murray my support here. And it was in the stadium where basically everyone was supporting team because he was the underdog. He was the exciting youngster. But team won and then the Derby team in the final. Um, but yeah, it, it's a lovely, lovely club and they do a great job of transferring it into a tournament venue. And I remember seeing Rafa Nadal's father just walking around, chatting to a lot of the fans. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a really friendly feel to it. I love that the court there is named the Pista Rafa Nadal. I, I personally think they should have waited mm. till he'd retired. I think they've jumped the gun on that when he was, when he was losing to Ilya Ivashka yesterday. On a on the court that bears his name, it did all feel like a sort of horrible prank for a little while. He 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 went on to win. He by no means found his his best tennis, Nadal, um, but he found better tennis than he was playing in that in that opening set. He was it was another appalling serving display um, from him. Um, it improved, but it was it was never bang on the money. His his backhand looked really a struggle um in the match and Ivashka just just made him play just kept him honest um doesn't have huge weapons in particular of his own Ivashka just sort of made himself a difficult proposition for for a guy having a very bad day but it did feel like <laughs> i don't know watching the dull toil like that on a tournament on a court named after him just it felt all the just a bit much for a moment there. Um, what, what do we think of where Nadal is at? The, in, who wants to take the mantle on comments that could be horribly out of date imminently? Who wants, yes. who wants to go for that? He, he, he's playing Kane Shikori later today. I thought Nadal's comments after the match were interesting in that he referenced Roland Garros. He said, I'm, I'm confident that I'll be where I need to be by Roland Garros. It makes me think that he's looking not quite long term but medium term about about his clay season i think we've got so used to him him in the past sweeping all before him on the clay but i think he really recognizes now that that's unlikely and it's it's all about working up to roland garros so big picture i think he's fine but 
his tennis is is not particularly impressive at the moment so far. Yeah, lots of problems on serve, dropping the ball really short. It was it was one of those matches that was getting everyone looking at the statistics of when was the last time he lost to a player outside the top 100 on clay, and that was 2004. And when was the last time he'd lost back-to-back matches on clay, and that was 2002. And if you're thinking he was a child, yes, he was he was 15. That's the last time he lost consecutive matches on clay, which is extraordinary. And he obviously he obviously kept that record up. And by the end, he was taking charge of the rallies a little bit more and pushing Ivashka around. But certainly feels like a real process for Nadal on clay this season. We we touched on in the last show how you've got to almost separate Nadal on clay to Nadal at Roland Garros these days. And I, th- I think looking back at other great champions in the, I don't want to say necessarily latter days of the career, because I think Nadal's still got plenty of time left. But he, he is mid-30s now, and he's not what he was when he was 25. I think his his top level mm. is still as good, maybe even better. I think he's become a better tennis player, just in terms of what he's able to do. But he, he will not have the the engine that he used to have. He will not have the ability to focus the way he used to be able to focus relentlessly all the time, every single week. And and I think if I look back at Pete Sampras, for instance, he was able to win Wimbledon whilst not necessarily playing that well in the lead-up. And I think the same is true of other great champions that, that we've seen in the past. When they get into the late 20s, which used to be old older back then or into the 30s, they can still produce it if, but they kind of have to build up to it, and they and they and I don't I don't think they have the mental capacity psychologically and emotionally to just stay switched on and foot to the floor all the time like that after a certain age. I mean, and I don't think it's a specific age. I think it's just a sort of part of the life cycle of their tennis careers, whatever that is for them, and and then you end up having to pick and choose your moments. So, I think. Nadal just is using his experience at the moment to, yeah, he it ultimately it only matters what happens at Roland Garros in this swing. He won't agree with you necessarily about that because he's so respectful yeah, to all these tournaments. It's all about the race, David. It's all about the race. <laughs> and he's you know he's enormously respectful of the tour and all that sort of thing. But he but he knows you know if you if mm. you're going to win one of them, that's the one and. I just don't think he's capable of sweeping these tournaments the way he used to be able to. Who who would be? Yeah, no, I agree, but I think I think same time that's quite a big adjustment for Nadal to make. You know, his mantra is a hundred percent all the time, every tournament, every match, and I'm sure he's still following that. But it, it's it's recognizing that there's a longer term goal as well, and I, I think maybe he does get a little bit more anxious than some players would if he's not playing quite as well as he wants to be. I think Pam Shriver used the word anxious to describe how Nadal looked on court yesterday. And it's, it's a weird one. He, he's both anxious, but also recognising the big picture. He's, he's in quite a quite an interesting mental space at the moment. But I think it's very similar to 2019, where mm. he really worked his way up during the clay court season. He um, he's done that interview this week with George Belshaw, where he he references being asked about the Grand Slam race, which he's sort of so rarely drawn on, um, in introspectively anyway, because you know he just says he he he's the one that's least consumed by it in terms of the numbers and the records. But he referenced, he said. Uh, that Djokovic is obsessed with it, didn't he? That was his. I mean, we we have to make a little allowance for um, for translation and it not being his first language. But and we don't know what tone that was said in. Um, whether it was a kind of oh, he's obsessed with it. I I I couldn't care less. And he self corrected, didn't he? But at the same time, mm. the the thought is in there. There there is that there is a difference between the way Novak approaches those statistics i think that's kind of the way he would have looked at it he's more concerned about those things i just tend to look at what's right in front of me in the day to day there was a, there was an acknowledgement that there is a difference between the two and and i'd certainly he was at pains to not sound disrespectful or that he was saying it saying it in a negative way about djokovic but 
I mean, that lit a fire <laughs> up people because, you know, there is a... It's almost like they want to be the best and at the top, but they don't They don't want to have to say that that's the goal. But when it mm. obvious, obviously is, really. I mean, I... Look, I... I'm totally fine with Nadal's approach to it, but sort of Djokovic fans being up in arms about Djokovic being accused of being obsessed with it, I think it's fine to be obsessed with it. In yeah. his shoes, I would be obsessed with it. If I was that close to to being, you know, the greatest of of all time at something, according to the records, I would think of nothing else. And I <laughs> I'm think that's obsessed absolutely with it. F- yeah. And I've got I think zero. That's absolutely fine. Yeah. Own it. It's fine. Djokovic it's fans up in arms. I mean... Really? Yeah, I know, who'd have thought it? Um, before we move on to Stuttgart and the other events happening this week, there have, there's been agro news in Barcelona. Um, quite a lot. It's been, it's been an agro-heavy couple of days. We'll start with the bad agro news, which was a default yesterday for Fabio Fanini uh, in his match against... Uh, Ben Bernabe Zapata Miralles. Have I pronounced that anywhere near accurately, Matt? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, what should it be, Matt? Zapata Miralles. Yeah, I did. I did the. I did the Miralles, didn't I? Anyway. Okay. She didn't um, ask me, Matt. Anyway, well, he's through to the next round because Fabio Fanini uh, was defaulted for abuse of an official. Now, he's protesting his innocence, says it's been taken out of hand or out of context. I haven't heard what he said. I don't know if any of you have found any footage which shows what he might have actually said. No, I mean, I was I was busy on Agro Watch elsewhere, watching yeah. Evans Mute. I, I missed the Fanini Agro, but it sounds like the director did as well. And I don't think the camera was on Fanini when it happened. And I don't think the mic was was quite good enough to, to pick up what was said. So, no, I'm, I'm not sure what it was. I just know it was a default for verbal abuse. And, uh, yeah, the first time Fanini's actually been defaulted during a match there was that instant at the US Open where he got disqualified from the from the doubles after losing in the singles where he'd verbally abused uh, Louise Engsel the umpire and that was appalling that was dreadful mm. he is protesting his innocence but yeah he's hardly got credit in the bank with this as and you'd think you'd think with that rap sheet you'd just have to be on your best behaviour with officials all the time so yeah Hard to give him much benefit of the doubt in this situation. In terms of excellent, excellent aggro, if you have the opportunity to go back and watch Evans versus Mute in its entirety, I highly recommend you do just that because it was a glorious experience. Uh, David, I'd like you to recreate as much of it as possible uh, <laughs> with accents, please, both Brummy, <laughs> both Brummy and French, if you can. In fact, a lot of the agro was in French, so perhaps Matt, you could be Mute, and David, you you could be Evans, and I'll just sit back and enjoy it. Uh, I mean, I di- I didn't see all of the match, but it was one of those where it just started bubbling along and simmering and simmering and building up and. I think my favourite part of it really was the way they got to a point where when they would one of them would win a point, they would celebrate it more vociferously and loudly than perhaps is normally required or or, 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 or typical. And they would, and it was clearly pointed down the other end of the court. And then they would have a little glance up to see if that celebration had sufficiently annoyed the other one <laughs> and whether the other one wanted to maybe have something to say about it and engage and build it up further from there. Um, and this kept going on. I mean, and look, some of the thing, the interesting thing about those two is, and they played a match, I think best of five, wasn't it? Because it was US Open and that went all the way. They And Mute won that. They are a fantastic combination on the court in just about every way because they're both similar heights. I mean, they're, they're well under six feet tall. They are 
um, Evans prefers being around the net more, but Mute's got lovely touch and angles, and he's he's also very explosive. So they just bounce off each other as opponents fascinatingly, and they are to other opponents what the other is as well. You know, and and to watch them go against each other head to head is like some sort of monster movie you know it's just what's out at the moment it's king kong against godzilla and it felt like uh, this sort of mini version of that these two um almost baddies from the wrestling world going against each other and uh and and it just escalated really and i think mute's fellow players from france were on the sidelines maybe pals. remarking pals as, as evans called pals. them you and your pals do you want <laughs> You know, see if your pa- you see if your pals turn up later, you know, and all this sort of stuff, um, and it just kept building and building. And the thing is, I don't really understand what Mute was saying in response. I don't entirely know if Evans was sure, although I think he found out afterwards, um, <laughs> he and he wasn't found, best pleased afterwards. Didn't but he? I mean, you know, it struck me that Evans has played just about every week of the tennis circuit for about the last three months, singles and doubles. He looked knackered to me. He looked irritable, generally. And he looked like he was just busting for an argument with anybody who fancies it. Um, and in, in the end, Mute won the match, and, and it was just a brilliant end to to the match. I'm glad, I'm glad it didn't get any more explosive than it did. Are because you? Yeah. Because I do think... Well, I mean, look, there, I like pantomime aggro. But there are limits, you know, and... Do you think it it was risking going beyond pantomime? Could have done. You know, you don't, mm. you don't know how... I mean, they were face-to-face at the end, and nobody was in between them at all. Um, and they were right in each other's face, telling each other what was for. And it was, yeah, interesting. There was a moment where Mute threw his racket, and the umpire went to give him a code violation, and Mute cut him off, said, yes, yes, of course, code violation. I can't play a match without one. <laughs> He also hit one of the best underarm serves I've ever seen. Mm. Yes. Drop shot Clean ace. With a, with a real flourish. It was great technique. I reckon Evans probably really actually respected that. I think yeah. there's a lot Evans the would like about Mute. Yeah. Mm. There was a funny shot at the end, as you said, David, when they were face-to-face with each other. <laughs> Someone pointed out that wouldn't hurt a fly david goffan was sitting in the background on the bank just watching the match was he actually <laughs> yeah was there Which just adds to some the scene. sort of siren going for male tennis players under five foot ten <laughs> i think there is a siren in the locker room for when aggro starts and then the rest of right. the locker room empties to go Goffin's not into aggro well you know you say that was he hang on was he one of the a, aforementioned Pals, yeah. I mean, they're, they're bystanders. You, you, there are lots of people who like aggro from afar, aren't mm. there? You know, including mm. us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very much been us. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, that's aggro watch. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel, and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live, and you can watch on your phone or on your smart TV in HD. Sounds great. There's genuinely nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere. And can I just sit and watch Court Sows and Longland all day? 
You sure can, David. Wherever the stories are, the rivalries emerge and the generations clash, you can watch it all with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Be there when it happens by subscribing to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. Carolina Pliskova, who's just walking back to her chair sort of bouncing the racket along the way as though it's a basketball and it's in pieces. Your uh, your feed is definitely behind because I'm watching a beautifully swept court. Um, and well, the first just lost point of the second set, set between Pliskova and Ostapenko. Yeah. Very entertaining. Um, very entertaining indeed. So that's happening in Stuttgart where things have been... Very interesting. First and foremost, we should say there are three Porsches on the court. Mm-hmm. So that's enough for the singles and doubles champions. Yeah. Uh, if, they, if that's what they get. I mean, imagine if, they, if they've if they been told, you win this, you're getting that. Imagine, just imagine <laughs> if you're playing the doubles and you've been told that. I don't there know is, if that's true. There is one green Porsche. Is it Porsche or Porsche? I don't move in the right circles to know. Um, I'll just alternate between the two. Um, <laughs> Nor me or David. There's one green Porsche in the middle and then that's flanked by two white ones. I mean, if I won the singles, I'd say, could I have a not green one, please? Because um, nobody wants a bogey green. I mean, any kind of car, uh, let alone a Porsche. What a waste of a Porsche. Funny enough, I haven't seen that colour in the paint shop. No, no marketing well, experts car, has come up with the that. Green cars aren't really a thing, are they? Certainly not bogey green. Okay, I've not seen no. that, that sort of shade on the um, palette. Anyway, I mean, white cars, it's highly impractical as well. Um, but uh, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't say no to any of them. <laughs> They've dressed that court really well, haven't they? It's a bit, a bit yes. like how they did in Rotterdam. You know, they managed to really create mm. the spectacular stadium effect. I mean, I'm not surprised in Stuttgart. That just comes across as a wonderfully well-run and thought-through tournament that makes the best of itself. And it's great for Porsche, the sponsors, not only because we're talking about them so much on uh, on the tennis podcast, but because your eye is so drawn to those cars because <laughs> because there's no crowds. I found myself distracted by them a lot. But yeah, I do. the, the stadium dressing is so much more important for indoor events uh, without crowds than for outdoors. So it does please me that that they've they've gone to the efforts that they have as you say David no surprise but it really does make the difference and they've had some great matches I mean we've just switched over onto this Ostapenko Pliskova match uh, from the Shapovalov Orzhevalyasim match which is now over Orzhevalyasim did get the win very straightforwardly uh, but last night we were all glued to Sakari Kvitova which was it developed into one of the matches of the year. I think, won by Kvitova eventually in the third set. It was an absolute corker, David. Yeah. Oh, that third set was definitely right up there with anything I've seen all year. In terms of just the feeling of drama, because it was so close, I think there were, I saw two games, one that was a 10-juice game and another one where there were, I think, about eight or nine juices. It was just the, the perfect example of the scoring system working. And those two players just, contrasts beautifully in terms of personalities and physicality and tennis method really uh, in Sakari's the very top spun forehand powerful but would whip and, and Kvitova is just this shots you don't see from anybody else left-handed and swiping winners galore I mean I was finding her tennis really amusing in the first set and a half because it's like she doesn't have an opponent. It's like there doesn't really need to be one because she she had two games where she just caught fire and won eight points in a row with clean winners and Sakari was kind of irrelevant. And then the next game, she goes, love 40 down on her serve and again, Sakari just hasn't really had any part to play in the, the sport at all because she can't even get it anywhere near the court. And then she held serve from there just with five more blinding winners. <laughs> and she's just... And I, I don't, I can't really think of another player. I'd, I'd love to ask Kvitova in the moment whether she's nervous at all, because she doesn't look nervous. 
She doesn't look like she has. She celebrates wildly when she hits some of these winners. But it's like she enjoys the winners but doesn't worry about the errors in the slightest. Well, we talked about that, haven't we? How self-aware and accepting she is of her games and the inherent ebbs and flows of it. She has an ability to feel things very strongly. She's not a... um, She's not a serene player. She celebrates. She celebrates winners. She she gets annoyed with herself. She gets frustrated, but it's all in the moment. She has this incredible ability to just accept that whatever you're feeling, it is fleeting, and mm. anything could happen on the next point because that's the nature of of her game. And we we had a lot on it because Catherine had pit, has picked Kvitova to win the tournament. I had picked Zachary, so this was a real showdown. But to be honest, in that third set... And Dave, as, David's son had, had backed Whitaker yeah. in that prediction oh, yeah. he showdown. Was, he was right into it. Um, but as kind of disappointed as I was that Zachary didn't win and as well as she played and I thought she fought incredibly hard, hard because you've got to you've got to deal with a lot when these winners are going past you and she hits a decent ball herself she was coming out with some incredible shots remember when she saved all those match points against Pagula and we saw that ability for her to just play her best stuff with her back against the wall she carried on doing that but looking at the two of them I did think I kind of feel Kvitova will end up winning because she just looks so loose if she just doesn't get tight and Sakri is, is full of tension and she's trying so hard and she's getting so upset when she doesn't win a point and celebrating so much when she wins one. And ultimately, I think that that looseness came through and won the tournament. And it's such an interesting event, Stuttgart. I was looking back at the, the role of honour. Um, and the players that have won it, and so rarely do they go on and have deep runs at the French Open, because it's indoor clay. Pliskova's won it. Kerber's won it. Kvitova. Yes, Sharapova, I think, won them both in the same year, but it's it's rare. Yeah, and there's a there's a particular style of player. Maybe not Kerber, but Siegmund and Gerges have also won it. Big hitters. And I find Kvitova on clay fascinating. I mean, she's won five titles on clay, but four of them have been Madrid and Stuttgart, which are very condition specific where you've got the altitude in Madrid and the indoor conditions in Stuttgart it's a different type of clay tennis that seems to be where she really thrives Um, I think it doesn't necessarily transfer quite so well to Roland Garros but she can still make an impact she can still hit winners if she gets her footing right and she's in the right place as you said David it doesn't really matter who's down the other end of the court she will just have an ability to sort of smoothly swipe winners yeah she's she's a really interesting prospect on this surface Uh, the adidas women's kit for this clay court season seems to involve leather look skirts i assume it's not real leather because i mean why would you do sport in real leather um (laughs) but yes we we were speculating about whether that's what sakari was wearing last night and i thought possibly she was just really sweaty <laughs> um, but now I see Ostapenko today wearing a version of the same kit I'm quite certain uh, that it's a it's a sort of pleather material which is definitely a vibe um, Ash Barty won her first match of the tournament she beat former champion Laura Siegmund uh, did anybody see that how how much the world number one did she look I saw some of the opening stages incredible to think Barty's first match on red clay since winning Roland Garros. I mean, there haven't been that many tournaments, but but she obviously missed them last year. In that first set, she was impeccable. Siegmund was making a lot of errors, but I think uh, by the sound of things, Siegmund really started to play quite well in the second set. Was a break up. Barty had to had to fight fight back. Yeah, she looked really good. She she won all the points on her first serve in the match and I think that's such a such a foundation for her game um if, if that's working her, her tennis can really flow yeah she's um I think she looked great she had a little blip didn't she in in Charleston but I think I think she's kind of back on track now Annette Kontovet Matt is your pick for the Stuttgart title she her hopes and yours and Scousel Mousel's remain alive 
because she beat Sophia Kennan yesterday. How confident do you feel about that pick? Because it's a strong field. This could potentially be a very strong quarterfinal lineup in Stuttgart. Yeah, <laughs> I got uh, I got swept up by the number of points on offer for picking Contivate. <laughs> Thought, why not? Let's just go for it. She did reach the final last time Stuttgart was played, and I think she's always reached the quarterfinal the last three or four editions of the tournament. She she certainly likes those those conditions. She actually said that she trained on an indoor hard court before coming to Stuttgart because she thought that was more similar than training on an outdoor clay court. I think that just gives an indication of how different it is in Stuttgart. She was she was very good against Kenin. One of the reasons I went for Contivate was because I was looking at her section of the draw and I thought she's going to need a vulnerable seed probably. And I must say I did think Kenin would probably be vulnerable to losing early this tournament just because she hasn't played that much. She's looked out of sorts when we've seen her recently. And that, that was very much the case. Uh, Contivate was was plus 11 with her winner-to-unforced error ratio. I know that's not everything, but she was plus 11, whereas Kenin was, was minus 10. And when there's such a big discrepancy like that, I think Contivate was was clearly the better player in that match. Had, had a lot of chances, a bit of a wobble at the end, closing it out, but but did come through. And I think I think she might play Sabalenka next, who, yes. who is Daryl's pick in our Ooh. newsletter. So another potential showdown. Um but I, I feel quite good about that. Is, is, is Sabalenka good on clay? I well, don't... she's, I mean, not that good on clay, but I saw them play against each other, albeit oh. on a different surface. And, I mean, Sabalenka actually knocked her off the court. Um, oh, okay. But Take I think she different. can do that on any surface, but she's less likely to do that on clay. Two years ago, mm-hmm. when, when we were all bigging up Sabalenka, having seen her have such a good breakthrough year she when she got on clay i mean she could she couldn't beat anybody um so it'll be quite interesting to see whether she's figured that out uh so contivate yes to face the winner of sabalenka and freedsome uh benchich plays alexandrova halep plays von Drosheva later on today uh, and kvitova already through to the quarters faces either svitolina or kerber who plays later on today. And Barty awaits the runner of this match currently on, which Ostapenko leads over Pliskova uh, by a set. So that could be a great final weekend uh, in Stuttgart. There are other smaller events going on this week. On the women's side, we've got an event going on in Istanbul, Marta Kostyuk, uh, one of one of Matt's fams. Yeah, she did a thing. <laughs> She did a thing. She beat Daria Kazakina, who was briefly um, David's sort of lady of the moment. Well, she won me a... What a horrible expression I've just come out with. (laughs) She won me a hundred odd points the other week when she won Mm. St. Petersburg. So uh, I won't won't hear a bad word said about Kazakina. (laughs) Well, she's lost, David. She's lost to Marta Kostiuk. Fiona Farrow is busy doing things as well. She beat the second seed, Petra Martic. Elise Mertens is uh, the top seed in Istanbul and, the, for me, the heavy, heavy favourite to win win that title um, because she's great on clay. She loves clay and she just she just does the things she's supposed to do, doesn't she? She rarely puts in a really substandard performance, so I would expect her to come through that tournament. We've got uh, the tournament going on in Belgrade, the Djokovic... The Djokovic Open, that's not its official name, but um, it's owned and run by the Djokovic family, isn't it? And uh, the name Novak is just everywhere. It's on the cakes, it's on the balls, it's on the, I don't know. Froth of the coffee. Yes, on the froth of the coffee, on the balloons. It's it's a very Novak-heavy event and he's going very strong. It would be a huge surprise, I think, if he uh, didn't win the title. He's into the quarterfinals. He beat Sunwoo Kwon uh, in his previous round. Matteo Berrettini got his first win since the Australian Open. He beat Marco Cecchinato, the pre- the former French Open semi-finalist. Berrettini had that awful uh, abdominal injury, didn't he, that caused him to withdraw ahead of his match, which would have been against Sitsipas at the Australian Open. And he's had a really tough time since then. I think he was in Miami, wasn't he, but only supporting... Uh, 
Isla Tomlanovich, his girlfriend, had to sit on the sidelines. So that's nice for Berrettini. He could place Djokovic in the final, I think. Yes, yeah, they're the top two seeds. It's quite interesting that Novak Djokovic is there, considering what he said in Australia about him playing far less this season and his priorities shifting and, you know, really focusing on the slams. It's the Novak Djokovic Open, Matt. But exactly, I think... In many ways, I think I feel like he'll be more motivated this week than he might be at some of the other more traditionally bigger clay court events this swing. Um, I think it's the first time he's playing in Belgrade since 2011. There was an edition of the tournament that ran until 2012. Last time he was there, he'd never even been world number one and he'd won two slams. You know, I can't believe it's that long ago. Ten years on, he's now... The, the male player who's been world number one the longest in history and he's won 18 slams it, it, it's, wow. it, it, it's quite an interesting sort of I mean obviously he's played in Serbia and Davis Cup but it, it's quite an interesting homecoming and I really do think he'll be really motivated to win it and he's by far the best player in that draw so he should Do we know if uh, Djokovic plans to play Madrid? I expect him not to uh, given what he said after the Australian Open and given that I I can't see him skipping Rome because he, mm. he essentially treats that as a home event. Um, Still on I, the list. I'm not sure if he's... Yeah, I don't think he's officially uh, showed his hand, hand re Madrid. Obviously, we know Federer won't, won't be there. Um, I think we expect it to be a pretty complete field on the women's side. Um, not... Yeah, I mean, we've seen footage of uh, Naomi Osaka practicing on clay this week, uh, captioned with something like "almost, almost ready to go on the clay," something like that. So, um, yeah, be interesting, interesting to see if he does miss it. They've announced this week, uh, Madrid, that they uh, expect to have forty percent crowds, which is as many crowds as any big event has had since mm. tennis's return. I think. Yeah, that's. That's a that's a lot, yeah. I, I read as well that they're going to finish a little earlier in the evenings, which uh, because there's a curfew. But and that, mm. frankly, that's no bad thing in uh, Madrid, in my opinion. Yeah, that is a big deal if there's a curfew <laughs> in Madrid. Yes, uh, it's to comply, I think, with the local co- COVID curfew. So matches will have to be finished by eleven p.m. local time, uh, which is ten p.m. UK time. So presumably, we will get matches being called off midway through for curfew Wimbledon style um, unless they all sort of finish perfectly within time but tennis just doesn't happen like that does it um, so yes I'm looking forward to Madrid I'll be working on that for uh, Prime Video oh they've 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 just done a wide shot in, in Stuttgart at Stuttgart the change of ends and you can see the whole stadium lit up with the the blue and red neon lights it really does look good doesn't it they've done a cracking job over in Stuttgart um any more for any more do we have any other news any bits and bobs or do I have five minutes to talk about our mascot (laughs) just one which is a really nice bit of news uh which is um Carlos Suarez Navarro has just tweeted this morning you may remember she'd been diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma um, a few months ago. She's tweeted, another step forward. Today, I finished my treatment. Thanks to you all for your warm messages. Every word of support has given me strength during the past few months. All my gratitude to healthcare professionals who took care of us. I'm cured. She says she's she's in, in remission. And um, so that's great news, really is. Gosh, that's Fantastic wonderful news. news. Wow. Oh, that's so uplifting. Yeah, Yeah, I can only imagine uh, what she's been through over the past uh, few months with uh, all of the treatment she's had to receive. Going going from being an athlete, feeling supremely fit and well, um, to going through something like that must be uh, extraordinarily difficult. So, um, oh, that's great news. Um, Any more for any more? No. Okay. well, our mascot this week... um, is uh, the lovely Selkie, uh, who was owned by Debbie. Um, picture of Selkie in our newsletter, uh, which has already gone out and features uh, our predictions, which for Matt and I are still alive, for David uh, and uh, his mascot, 
Rogue are dead in the water. Sorry about that, David. Uh, but Zeus and I, our predictions remain alive. I've gone for Kvitova. Matt's gone for Contivate. Uh, and Selkie is our mascot, uh, who's no longer with us. Uh, sorry about that, De- Debbie. But um, yeah, I hope you've enjoyed having tribute paid to lovely Selkie uh, on the podcast this week. Billy Jean has just settled down to sleep on my feet I can feel fur tickling my ankles uh, and that means she's come to say thank you to Billie Jean King uh, for sponsoring her for the year I wish there was a way to communicate to her how cool that is uh, but I'm unable to find it in dog language yet I keep it's quite telling hard her she in looks human at me language like, yeah exactly <laughs> she keeps looking at me like yeah what of it can I have some chicken Um, she's going to the pub later she's learned how good the pub is she now when I take her for a walk she tries to drag me in the direction of the pub (laughs) definitely your dog isn't she 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 likes the pub she eats chicken coming out of her ears and she's asleep half the time (laughs) Mm. yep she's definitely my dog Uh, so that's Billie Jean sponsored by Billie Jean King words that will never get old we'll be back on Monday Uh, with another podcast wrapping up uh, Stuttgart and Barcelona uh, looking and the other events of course as well looking ahead to events of the following week leave us a Apple uh, Apple Podcasts review tell your friends about the tennis podcast do sign up to our newsletter Matt what was your stat this week it was which active WTA player has the most wins on clay oh who was it again Sara Irani, oh yeah, which sort of she make, has been around makes for a sense long when time. you think about it. Yeah, but it's not it's not one that immediately comes to mind. Yeah, and it's quite it. When I was looking at that, it's quite interesting that Venus Williams has the second highest number of clay court titles among active WTA players. Wow, and she and she hasn't won a title on clay I think since 2010, 2011, <clears throat> maybe. Wow. Yeah, I mean, Halep's close. I'd have gone for Halep, I suppose. Mm. Yeah. You know, off, yeah. off a standing start. Mm. Well, there you go. That's a sneak. That That is just a little tease for you. We don't usually reveal the stat on the podcast because it's our lure to get you into the newsletter. It's no, Pictures it's of Animals day. and Matt's stat. <laughs> We've already had it. Yes, I know. That's why I'm revealing it on the podcast because it's already <laughs> gone out. Oh. But I'm saying in the future, oh. if you want future Matt stats, right. you need to subscribe to the podcast. Correct. Uh, to, the, to the newsletter. No, <laughs> you need to subscribe to the newsletter. Presumably you're already subscribed to the podcast. <laughs> and if you're not, do hit subscribe. Uh, we'll be back on Monday with another podcast. Thank you for listening and goodbye. We're not doing shout outs. Oh, shout outs. <laughs> <laughs> Who are they then? Eric Lie. Not oh, Eric. Ooh. Hello, Eric. I like the name Eric. It's a good name, isn't it? Like mm. that footballer Eric Dyer. And also, well, that, hang on, Eric Dyer is the first footballer you think of named Eric. <laughs> well, <laughs> there's that Cantona, and there's also the guy who was in Chips. Do you remember Chips? I think his name nope. was Eric Estrada. And uh, he he was riding one of those massive motorbikes, police boat motorbikes. I mean, this was in the in the early eighties, but still, Matt, no, no. Right. no do, do I remember it? No, no. <laughs> Cheers, Eric. <laughs> uh, next, we have Zi Hong Yao. Ooh, I like that a lot. Zi Hong Yao, possibly the coolest shout out mm. name we've had yet. We've got Imagine a very cool one next as well. Have we? Imagine being called Zi Hong. Thanks very much. That's a, That could be a movie star name, I think. Yeah. It's got a nice sort of lilt to it. Matt's building up to an even... Yeah, okay. I'm one. on the edge of my seat here. <laughs> Go on then, Matt. Azzy Bonato Agulo. Oh, oh I mean, come on. That is a tennis player <laughs> waiting to happen. Yeah, what kind of tennis player would they be, David? Um, A servant volleyer. Oh, Really? Maraud into the net, diving, everything. Okay. There aren't many of them about anymore. Well, There's a gap in the market. It's time to start again. Yeah, gap in the market for Azzy. There you go. Uh, splendid shout-out, splendid podcasting. Um, great to have you with us. Tell your friends, and we'll be back on Monday with another tennis podcast. We'll speak to you then. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 